Hello everyone, this is the Parks Academy where we discuss and celebrate all things theme parks related. We focus mainly on Disney parks in both Anaheim and Orlando, and today of course it is just me again because uh, Paige and I just had our, our beautiful baby boy uh, about a month ago, and uh, we are, we're just loving every minute of it, but of course she's taken some much needed rest, and uh, I'm so glad she gets to do that. Uh, fear not, however, we have a great guest on the show today, Jacob McAllister. He is an incredible artist. Uh, he works for the Disney Company, and uh, we are so glad to have him on the show. So, welcome. I'm glad to be here, man. Absolutely. Yeah, so, basically, you know, I, we, you and I have talked about this a little bit off air, but but essentially, what's been going on with our show is we just, we had a baby about a month ago, Paige and I did. And so I've just been, you know, kind of keeping the lights on with our show, chatting with people and finding interesting people who are Disney enthusiasts to one degree or another, um, and just bringing them on and, and, and chatting with them. And I've been following your work for a while now. Um, I didn't really get, you know, that deep into like what you did and some of your history and stuff until we started talking. Um, but your artwork is is so captivating and 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 fun and whimsical and cool that it was one of those things where I just felt like if I didn't if I didn't talk to you a little bit about what you're doing, um, I would regret it. And then when when we were trying to put something together, you told me you had to wait till after New York Comic Con, and I was like, that seals the deal. This guy seems like he's a lot of fun and and really cool. So I'm excited. I'm glad to be here, man. Yeah. Uh, let's just start off by how was New York Comic Con? Some of my friends went. It seemed like it seemed really cool. And and what did you what did you do over there? It was awesome, man. Um, yeah, I think this is my. Third year, um, I set up a booth and I share with a buddy of mine. Um, he's got a ten by ten right next to me, and I've got a ten by ten in line. Um, he does. Uh, also, I'm just gonna plug him anyway. Um, Go for it, yeah, of he, course. He does. Uh, my my buddy Ian um, does uh, stained glass windows, uh, and he also makes uh, stained glass clings, um, geek related stuff, and uh, t-shirts and stuff. Beautiful, beautiful work. And I've been doing cons with him geez for like 10 years i've known him for about 10 years we started out megacon a long time ago um and uh, we've been fast friends ever since uh and so i started doing new york comic-con with him three years ago and i set up there and i sell canvases and postcards and all that kind of fun stuff mostly disney related stuff just because mm -hmm. that's what i love um but there's i mean other pop culture related items indiana jones and yeah uh you know my mind's blanking right now but <laughs> lots of other lots of other stuff too yeah i've got i got lots of junk in there yeah well i mean with indiana jones and stuff i see a star wars things like all that kind of falls under the umbrella of disney to some degree or another um, i guess it does yeah i didn't even think about that but yeah there's a little harry, harry potter in there too oh, and i was gonna say you don't have to scroll too far down to see like shrek and, and fiona in their onion carriage so um, no, it's cool. But I mean, I love the, uh, I love the, you know, the pop culture stuff. And one thing that, that I was, um, really taken by when I was looking at your website is how your bio is basically like the back of a, I would just say action figure, like a teenage mutant ninja action figure, um, packaging. It's almost like your resume. And I've never seen a resume like that before, but it is extraordinarily impressive. It's like super cool. Thanks, man. It's funny. I, um, so I worked for Loungefly for two years after COVID and Funko's stocks, Funko's the parent company of Loungefly, their right. stocks took a dive and 
uh, it was 10% cuts all around. Um, so uh, being a subsidiary of Funko, Loungefly had to let go of a bunch of people. And I was one of those people to be let go. So I jumped on getting a new resume made. Um, and I wanted to do something unique and quirky. And so I decided to model mine after the classic, like late 80s Ninja Turtles uh, blister packs. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, it was fun. And the funny thing is, like, I spent like a week working on this um and i made i made full blister packs with plastic and a little figure on the inside and everything ready to go for like anyone who wanted to see it and like never never even got the chance to like show it around so it just like sits on my shelf even even the job i have now with disney like i didn't uh-huh. need to show them a resume a resume a physical resume so <laughs> there was no use for it but it was a fun project so but they did they see the one that, that's on your site or no, they, they didn't literally oh, man. The only people that have ever seen it are, uh, I, I I did a job fair um, somewhere in that unemployment era. Yeah. And uh, job fairs, by the way, are not meant for creatives. Um, they're meant yeah. for other industries. Yeah. And uh, so it was very awkward passing out these blister packs. Um, but SeaWorld <laughs> was impressed and gave me a call the next day hey. and said, hey, we don't have any jobs, but we really like your resume. I'm like, thanks. That is, that's like one of the worst feelings in the world. I just recently was, I used to have a company, a marketing agency that I ran and I was just getting so burnt out with it. Um, That's not the story, but the story is that I kept, you know, um, I I kept applying for places. I do have a job now, which is great, but I kept applying for places and I got a lot of, oh my gosh, your resume is so impressive. Like we're really, that's great, but eh, you know, we don't have anything for you right now. And I'm like, all right, well, thanks for letting me know, I guess. Um, but yeah, no, job hunting is brutal. Um, but, yeah. but now you're with Disney. Tell me about that. You're a concept artist, correct? Yeah. So I work for uh, DLE, Disney Live Entertainment. We're a subset of Imagineering. We're technically Imagineering Live is, is what we're considered. Okay. Um, so I can cross Imagineering off that bucket list from childhood. Um, and we do all the live shows and events. So when a new show is about to be produced at the parks, uh, they come to us for uh, concept art for it and then set designs and uh, all the way up to like installation. Um, and that's that's just for shows. And then we but we also do, you know, when a new character comes out for a meet and greet, we'll design the uh, the setting that those characters will be in, as well as, you know, all the signage and all the graphics for that. Um, we do resort works. Uh, I they're like for instance they're redoing the cabins at uh fort wilderness right now that was announced um so our department is helping out with the artwork for that um if there is a uh a meet and greet for a character at uh let's say mickey's not so scary um it's up to us actually just about all the art for not so scary is done with uh, is done by dle as well as like uh the new jollywood nights that's coming out okay. uh this year so yeah. yeah, we have our hand we have our hands in so much stuff. It's nonstop over there. Is that a pretty big team, would you say? Um art-wise? No, it's not that mm-hmm. huge. I would say uh art-wise there's only I want to say like 12 of us. Uh 12 illustrators around there. Okay. I mean, I mean between so- Enough to get the job done, but not enough to feel like you always have your bases covered all the time, right? Yeah, there's there's always there's always, uh, those last minute projects. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, told you when when you contacted me just a little bit ago, I was like, I just got some notes. I gotta I gotta finish a few things up before I hop on this. So, like, yeah, there's always there's always some fire to put out. 
Oh my gosh, I, I can't even imagine. I feel like the the um, I've talked to a lot of people who are involved with Disney in one way or another, whether they're just you know. I shouldn't say just, but whether they're, you know, independent artists who go to Festival of the Arts or they're, you know, cast members, or for instance, we interviewed um, Brett Iwan, of course, the, the voice of Mickey Mouse a, a handful of months ago. Um, I always feel like there's this sense of like responsibility and urgency to get it right when you're representing the Disney company, because you're not, mm-hmm. you know, you're not showing up uh, the Jacob McAllister work or your art, you're, you're basically creating more Disney lore and portfolio work that's just going to be in their vaults, you know, forever, which is, I, I can't imagine. I mean, that's such a huge responsibility um, and and a, and a pretty big, not in a bad way, but a pretty good burden to carry on your shoulders that you're, and I'm not going to put any pressure on you, but you know <laughs> no, what I imagine? That's no. a lot, you know, to think about, right? You know, it's funny. I don't think about that. I don't, it doesn't, I, I'm very excited for the work I do. Like okay. incredibly, I, 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 every day I go in and I, and I love what I'm doing and I love the new projects that get handed to me and, and seeing what's coming down the pi- pipeline. Um, but no, it's, it's, uh, it's just, it's fulfilling this dream that I've had ever since I was little, mm-hmm. um, of working for Disney. I, when I was little, I wanted to be, I wanted to work in animation. I thought I wanted to work in animation. Um, and I had a buddy who also works for Disney. And at one point in, in high school, we used to sit down and design rides. Um, That's awesome. And it was just like the coolest thing in the world. And I'm not designing rides, but to be <laughs> to be behind the scenes and uh, and developing things for Disney is just, yeah, it's it's something I've wanted to do for a long time. Speaking of Brett Irwin, mm-hmm. I just found out last week or like two weeks ago that we went to school together oh, okay. and he was, and he was roommates with one of my close friends for two years. That is, that's so and funny. I didn't, didn't, didn't even know. I don't, I don't, I mean, maybe I've met him. I don't know, but I just <laughs> thought that was really interesting that we were, that we were yeah. there at the same time and in the same circles Had no idea. Yeah. That's such a weird small world we live in. Right. No, oh God, no pun intended saying small world, but it's, it really is like a, <laughs> It's just funny how many like little coincidences um, show up. So you had mentioned like you were talking briefly about, you know, your your childhood and always kind of wanting to be an animator. Um, I'm assuming probably you meant for film specifically. Um, mm-hmm. But what was some of your like, what were some of your, I don't know, just have you been doing this professionally or or as a career for a long time? Or did it take you a little bit of time to actually get into it? It took me a long time. Yeah. Um, I, w- I went to school uh, at Ringling over in Sarasota for two years. And then uh, halfway through, kind of ran out of money. Um, had uh, started, got started on a family, got married. Um, we had a kid pretty quick. And uh, then it was just kind of a struggle for a long time. Um, we, My wife is a teacher and she has always been a teacher. So there was always a steady income there. But for me... Uh, I had to spend years uh, building a portfolio and teaching myself everything that I didn't learn at Ringling. Um, I became friends with a gentleman who worked at uh, com- uh, part of a Disney company, part of Disney uh, called DDG or Disney Design Group. Um, mm-hmm. I, used, I used to go over to his house once a week and he would teach me Illustrator because um, at the time I thought, like, okay, I've got a little bit of illustration down because that was my major before, but now I got to right. learn some gra- graphic design because graphic design is like, there's way more jobs than that. So I thought I'd start sure. nailing that down. Um, and uh, that's where I got my first job 
freelancing with Disney. I did some pin designs back in the day. Oh, that's um, cool. And then I slowly worked my way uh, to different jobs, print shops, and then uh, some product design for a company for a while. And then at one point in 2009, uh, I flipped switches and I going way back. So I'm just like jabbering. No, please. Um, going way back to high school, I had I myself a choice. It's either going to be theater or it was going to be art because the two mm-hmm. things that I loved in this world. Um, and I had picked art. I went to college for art. In 2009, I kind of switched gears and I I did a community theater show. Uh, I did Sweet Charity. And something I hadn't, I hadn't done community theater for like nine years. It had been like nine years since I had done any theater at all. And uh, while I was there, a friend said, hey, uh, Disney's auditioning for the show called Finding Nemo the Musical, which at the time had only been out for like a year. And like, you the one in, in oh, Animal yeah. Kingdom, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. So I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah, I'll go for it. So I, I went for it. Um, and uh, after like a few callbacks and um, six months later, I got the job and I ended up doing uh, Crush and Marlin for like 12 years until the pandemic nice. shut us down. Okay, um, cool. Only as a sub, um, but there were times where I was in there uh, like three or four days out of the week. Um, it was hit or miss. You never, you never knew. It's like when, when they need someone, I would fill in. Right. Right. Um, but I absolutely, I absolutely love that job and it, and it filled that part of my life that, that had been missing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, uh, so yeah, so did that. And then, um, at one point needed more steady work. So I, uh, started teaching over a full sale mm-hmm. and then, uh, uh, switched over to working at art and design over in, um, universal, uh, I had, oh, sorry, I should say, I had also been acting for Universal for a while, too. Um, and oh, then wow, I okay. Submit, submitted my portfolio, and then I started uh, doing work for Halloween Horror Nights. And then they asked me if I could do some work for uh, Epic Unit. Well, actually, not yet. Before that, I started doing work for Nintendo World in Japan. I started doing stuff for, what's it called? Uh, Super Nintendo World. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. And then they asked me to join the team for Epic Universe and started at Blue Sky. And Wow was concepting that for like four years um, before the pandemic. And I was still doing Nemo at the time. Uh, and then pandemic shut everything down. And yeah. Yeah. And then was everyone was exciting. scrambling to figure out what to do. Yeah. <laughs> the scrambling. Um, me, me and some friends actually got together and we created a, a game um, that we got funded on Kickstarter and got developed. And that was fun. And then uh, that wasn't making any money. So I ended up getting the job <laughs> yeah. with Lounge Fly and, you okay, that's cool. What game was it? Uh, it's called Oh the Horror. It's a okay. comedy comedy based uh, horror card game, turn based game, kind of like akin to Cards Against Humanity. Cool. But all the cards are fully illustrated. I spent like yeah. six months illustrating two hundred cards for that thing. Well, I'm sorry, I didn't quite see exactly what you were looking for. Yeah. The uh, success. I was proud of it. You know, it was fun. You're at this place now in your life. Was was Disney always kind of like the end the end goal? Do you think? Um. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd say, I'd say, I mean, like something I hadn't really thought about, but yeah, I, it was, yeah. it was always my inspiration and, and my first love, like ever since I was a kid. So yeah, that's, yeah, definitely. that's, that's awesome. I mean, it does look like you've been able to do just like so many cool things for them, even as, you know, just uh, your own personal work. Um, so that's, that's really awesome. Um, speaking of games, I, I've, I was looking obviously through through your websites, and it looks like you've done a couple of different games. You've got I Found It, 
a hidden picture game and then this mm-hmm. really cool looking um jungle cruise game tell me a yeah. little about those um so i think it was probably about three or four years ago now uh ravensburger reached out to me and asked if i could do excuse me uh asked if i could do the board and all the cards for their upcoming release of disney's jungle cruise uh the board game um and i of course agreed and said yes i would love to of course yeah. the reason that was that was the first like uh big licensed disney thing that i had ever done okay. um yeah it was really fun it was super fun and it was totally flattering to be uh asked out of the blue to just do something like that it was truly just out of blue i just reached out to you just like that and that's how it all came together that's crazy i mean that's a that's a great <laughs> that's yeah really and- cool I've had a super great relationship with uh, with Ravensburger ever since then, and I've done so many things. Yeah. And it's been so much fun. It's been the best freelance gig that I've that I've had in my life, and yeah, it's continued for for years now. That's that's amazing. That's that's super cool. Um, and then I've actually never heard of the other one before. The I Found It game. I'm sure maybe I've seen it in uh, in, in stores and such. But did you do the board for that as well? So. I found it gets updated every few years. Okay. Um, I think I think uh, from what I'm aware, this is the second or third edition. I did the line art uh, and level design, level design, I guess you could call it, for uh-huh. the Lilo and Stitch section as well as the Sleeping Beauty section. Got so it. they give okay. me they give me a section. And they're like, we need we need this to be you know Kauai where Lilo lives. We need all the staple places that you know everyone recognizes from the film and then we need all these items and they give me a list of items to hide Mm -hmm. in there and i have to draw all the little items in there i didn't paint this one um my friend diana my friend diana castillo actually painted it she did a fantastic job um i just did all the uh, design and line work for those two levels they're really cool i mean so essentially you're just doing like a disney wears waldos (laughs) in a way that's cool no those are always super fun yeah that looks like a lot of fun i I think it's a little bit uh i think it might be a little bit uh, behind, you know, the kind of games that I would have played, um, or probably came out a little later um, than when I would have played them. But it looks awesome. Um, it's, your your kids will be old enough soon. You guys will have. I, I recommend picking up that one. So we have these. Um, gosh, I'm forgetting what they're called, but um, we have these like Disney board books. Uh, I, I need to. I, I'm going to completely blank on what the name is, but they have a couple. There's like a couple of them, um, and basically oh they're called the uh, buddy block books have you heard of those no okay so uh, th- there are these big thick books and there are board books they're called buddy blocks and um my my daughter who um she genuinely i mean she was i guess like maybe one and a half maybe like one and a quarter and okay. uh this book it's called disney block this one specifically um and there's a hidden Mickey on every single page and they're not like the most easy to find. And she was able to like find all of every single one of them. So I think that she might do really well with this other set of books, the, I found it books. Yeah. Um, or the board game, excuse me, because uh, she's very good at finding obscure things. And I was really shocked that she, I mean like the hidden Mickey's are not super obvious either. So they're like, you yeah. know, hidden in the picture. Like they're like sometimes the same color or they're really dark in the background. Uh, and she was just able to find them all on her own. So maybe she'd be, she would be really good at that. These are super cute. I love the style on these. Yeah, they have all kinds. I mean, they have like um, Disney, Pixar, Star Wars, but they also have just like farm animals and trucks and, you know, whatever. Uh, oh, so yeah, yeah they're, they're a lot yeah. of fun. 
I'm looking at them right now. Yeah, they're really yeah, cool. they're cool, and they're not expensive. For what you I mean, for what you get like twelve bucks for a big book's not not bad at all. Um, yeah, no, that's rad. Yeah, for sure. So uh, I guess I'll you know put those in the show notes along with everything else you've talked about regarding uh, some of these games and things like that. Um, we had talked about. Uh, I, I kind of was was thinking. I mean, obviously we're you know we're kind of a Disney Parks podcast mostly, um, and while mm-hmm. we do talk about. Uh, a lot of history of things and, you know, rides, um, you know, ride and, and land history and just fun facts and things like that. Um, one of the things we like to do when we have guests on is just kind of get their whole take on the parks um, because, you know, obviously everyone has their own unique experience to them and, and how you grew up, which parks you grew up next to um, or within, you know, somewhat of a proximity to. I would love to hear a little bit about like what was your home park and what it was like for you, kind of like some of your first experiences going to parks and kind of how that, uh, how that kind of propelled you into the career that you are currently in. This episode of the Parks Academy is brought to you by DeepCut. DeepCut are makers and purveyors of some of the most incredible record displays and accessories on the market today. Right now, you can check out their pre-sale of their floating record player table. It's the perfect home for your record player setup. This wall-mounted table features a clean look free of messy wires, the beauty of natural hardwood, vibration dampening design for a better sound, and the small footprint suitable for any space. Every last detail was considered in the design. Every component is best in breed. From the thick hardwood slab to the hand-welded brackets to the powder-coated metal cable management cubby, this is form meets function in the most satisfying way. It's the premium record player shelf that your system deserves. We love these guys, and we cannot say enough about how great their quality uh, stuff is. You can get 10% off your first order with DeepCut using the code TPA10 at checkout. Check out deepcut.co, and again, use that code TPA10 at checkout. Thank you so much to DeepCut for sponsoring the Parks Academy and being part of our show. We really appreciate you guys, and we cannot get enough of your stuff. And now, back to the show. Oh man. Okay. Let's see. So my dad was military. So we've lived all over the country, including Florida and California. So the first parks I remember going to, uh, were actually California. Um, well, it was maybe way before, uh, California adventure, but I remember going to Disneyland as a kid. Mm -hmm. I remember specifically, uh, we lived in California between, I think it was I'm going to date myself so bad here. No worries. Uh, between, no worries. <laughs> we'll just say late 80s. Okay. Let's we'll say fair. late 80s. Um, and I remember riding Splash Mountain and mm-hmm. then coming to Florida and making friends and being so, like, so, like, proud that I had ridden on Splash Mountain <laughs> and no one in, in Florida had ridden it yet because it wasn't, it wasn't built here until, Ooh. what, like, 91 or 92 or whatever. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, that was like my claim to fame. I uh, I adore uh, California. Um, I adore New Land. Um, I mean, this is my. I live in Florida, obviously. So this mm-hmm. is like this is my home base, and I love it here. But there's something so absolutely magical. Uh, and it was it was so that when I you know talking about the late eighties, that was the last time I had been to Disneyland until 2018. So it had been wow. thirty so years. Cha- I mean, it changed um, quite a bit then, obviously, huh? Oh yeah. Um, I went back for a convention that I was attending called DesignerCon, mm-hmm. uh, 
And so I was there right around the corner in Anaheim for the weekend. And I was still a cast member at the time. So I just used, I just used my entrance pass and, and got in the parks for free. And I, I lost my mind. I I was, it was, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say that I was like tearing up, but I was bawling. Um, That's fine. It was totally fine. It was, it was just very, it's small, Mm -hmm. but it's so magic. It's so magical there. Like, yeah. especially when you've been like, I, even though my dad's military, we've lived in Florida most of my life. So I spent most of my time at Disney world. So going back there after 30 years was just the most amazing day of my life. I absolutely loved it. That's awesome. Yeah. It was my home park. So I currently live, um, my wife and I currently live in Baltimore, Maryland. Um, we've lived here for a while. It's where she's from. So Paige, she uh, uh, and our listeners have heard me say this probably a million times, um, but uh, she grew up on the East Coast. So her home park, of course, was Disney World. I grew up on the West Coast in the San Francisco Bay Area. So my home park was the uh, Disneyland, of course. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was um, it, it is it is truly a really special park. And it's like it's I wish I can go back <laughs> like more often than I do. Yeah. I've been I used to go all the time growing up in high school. I went a ton in college. I went a ton. Um, but I haven't been back. I guess the last time I went back was like 2020 and we went in January just to go see galaxy's edge open up. And it was like right before mm-hmm. it was like three months before the pandemic. So we were able to really yeah. kind of, you know, get a feel for it then. I haven't been, I haven't been back since regrettably, but that's, it's on our list of things to do. But, uh, um, my desire to go back to Disneyland is outweighed by my desire to not travel across the country more than I have to with two kids, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? It's, yeah. Oh man. Yeah. I've done it. I did uh I did Hawaii uh from Florida with mm-hmm. my son on my lap when <sighs> when he was when he was one no, was he eighteen months old? Like he was young. Yeah. And he was on my lap the whole time and that was the longest flight of my life. <laughs> it's funny because Paige and I we have talked about our ten year anniversaries in two years, right? So mm-hmm. we are discussing like what we're going to do for that. Our last handful of anniversaries have been kind of mild because of our kids. So we haven't really been able to like get away and, you know, whatever. Um, and so for a while we were like, let's go to Alani, our 10 year anniversary. Let's do it. And we're not going to Alani without kids. Like we want to take them with us. You know, it just, it seems like something we really want to do. And even though it is our big anniversary, we'd still like our kids to be there to experience it. And um, we took both of our children to go to Hershey Park. We go there quite a bit because have you been to Hershey Park before? I, ha- I haven't. I haven't. Oh my gosh. It's a lot of fun. Um, and we live about an hour away from it. Right. So mm-hmm. we took them there last weekend to take our daughter trick or treating, um, at like the kids area and just kind of hang out over there. It's a re- I mean, it's a really good theme park. It's, it's like Disney caliber in a lot of ways, actually. Um, it's, it's great. Yeah. But, uh, as we were like spending 45 minutes getting out of the car and changing diapers and getting strollers set up and getting her in mm-hmm. costume, we were like, I looked at her on our way in and I'm like, wouldn't it be just terrible to be in Disney right now with these two? She's like, yeah, I don't think I'd want to do that at this very moment. Yeah. <laughs> so because no, our kids would be like four and two, we were like, we don't want to do Alani with them. Pay like what? $10,000 plus airfare plus, plus, plus to get there. Mm-hmm. So we're like, yeah. maybe we'll just do like, if we want to do something Disney, maybe we'll just do like a cruise or something like that, you know, for like three, yeah. $4,000 instead and just fly down to Florida and save like half the cost. So Yeah. You know what? Leave your car at my house and I'll drive you down there and you'll save $100 on parking. Oh, perfect. Well, typically what <laughs> we do is we would, uh, I appreciate that. Typically what we do is just, you know, fly into Orlando and then take the uh, the express down, even though it costs money now. So <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's right. I, that was ridiculous. I can't believe they cut off those services. Yeah, it's, um, it, it's kind of wild. 
how much things started costing after, yeah. you know, I mean, I, I don't want to talk about the politics of Disney CEO decision-making, but uh, it doesn't seem like it's getting any better lately either. <laughs> so. Not so much. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, that's cool. So was there, uh, so, so the first time you said you went to, to Disneyland was like late eighties. That was your first experience. And then what was your first time in Disney world? Do you, do you recall it all? Um, let's see. I was born in Florida and then we moved to, let's see, Florida, Virginia, Florida, Virginia, Alabama, California, Florida, Virginia, Florida. Oh, wow. Okay. California, <laughs> California, Florida, California, Florida. Okay. Wow. Um, so yes, that was, yes, that would have been Disneyland would have been my first experience. And then we moved down to Florida, but like I said, we spent, I spent most of my life in Florida. Mm -hmm. So I would have had that small chunk of years in California. although. Disneyland was my first experience. Um, Florida has taken up the bulk of okay. my my Disney, like the huge bulk of my Disney experience. So got it. Cool. Um, yeah, you've actually lived in like three of the places I've lived: Virginia, or no, two of the places: Virginia and California. I've lived in both those places. Yeah. Never Florida though. Yeah. No, you're um, good. Do you know what? You're you're good. It's 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 Florida. <laughs> yeah, I, I I I can see there's there's things about it that I think would be charming, and then there's other things about it that I don't think I would prefer so much. Um, no. Mostly, like I don't think I would really enjoy the weather all the time. Mm -mm. Um, so human. That would kind of get to me a lot. And uh, I do like I used to. So growing up in California, um, yeah, I didn't grow up in like sunny coastal California, right? Like a lot of people would think of. Um, in fact, when I first moved to the East Coast, and someone found out that I lived in California, they said, "Do you surf?" And I was like, "No." I do not surf. Too cold. I never surf. And I'd be really <laughs> bad at it. Um, yeah, no, it is too cold. Um, the beaches in, in the San Francisco area are shockingly cold. And I think a lot of people yeah. don't really realize that. Or the wind is so aggressive that you have to like bundle up and hope you don't get blown off a cliff. Um, or, or it could be like 86 in the day. And then by the time night rolls around, it's like in the 50s. Yeah, that's how it was growing up at my house. That's how it was where it would it would dip down to like the 30s sometimes at night. And it would just be mm -hmm. like so pleasant and beautiful. And then you'd be up in like the you know, seventies by 11 o'clock yeah. in the, in the early afternoon. So I don't even know where I was going with that. Um, I guess all to say is I just <laughs> kind of, I, I don't think that I would really do well in, in the Florida environment. Um, but having a home out there, would be kind of cool. Like a little vacation home within proximity to the Orlando area would be, that'd be all right. Get, get, get that DVC. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Except I kind of, I'm still not convinced it's not a total timeshare. And I don't, I've, I've always promised myself I don't want to be involved in a timeshare. No, it's, so. it's a total timeshare and it's honestly insanely expensive for when you can, even you can just plan a vacation and save so much yeah, money. That has always kind of been, that's kind of been my, uh, my rationale for it. We have some good friends who I don't want to, uh, I don't want to oust anybody here, but we do have some good friends who are DVC members and I've, I've really grilled them on it, asked them a million questions. And I'm like, so it's a timeshare. They're like, well, kind of, but and I'm like, it sounds like a timeshare. <laughs> timeshare. Like There's like entire sitcoms based around avoiding getting roped into the house. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, but at least it comes with, it comes with the benefits of, you know, park passes. Exactly. And like right. Stuff right, like that. Right. So, yeah, and you can utilize your points over the board. Like it's, I mean, it's got it's got some cool features. Um, so how has um, how has it been? I mean, do you, do you you live within pretty good proximity of the parks because you're in Florida, or is that sort of a miscalculation on my end? Yeah, no, I I, I live an hour away. Um, because I work, actually, the offices that I work at are right next to Animal Kingdom. 
Oh, no so, kidding. Okay. Yeah. I, I live on the coast and I drive in every day. It's about, it's about an hour drive in. And then oh, okay. uh, if cool. I, if, if I hit traffic on the way back, it's about an hour and a half on the way back. So try to avoid that. Yeah, I bet. What's your, um, what's your medium for, for your art that you do? I know you mentioned illustrator, right. But I, yeah. I, I, let me, I guess oh, I should Photoshop. say like, is it, is it okay? It's Photoshop illustrator. Do you do any, like any like procreate iPad work or is it all just sort of, no, there's a lot of guys in the office. Um, a lot of the, the younger crowd, uh, is rocking on the, uh, on the procreate. I, I actually, when I was working on, when I was working on the jungle cruise game a few years ago, I picked up an iPad pro and I downloaded Procreate, and I'm like, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna learn this, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna be able to draw anywhere I go, and uh, I'm gonna have this this great little tool that's just gonna be. It's gonna be. I couldn't. I yeah. just. I could not. I cannot work without my Quick Keys on on my keypad. For those of you who don't know what Quick Keys are, mm-hmm. when you're working in Photoshop, you have buttons on your keyboard that allow you to access your tools much uh-huh. quicker. Yep. Um, and I I can't work without them. It's just I'm... it drives me nuts. I'm the, I'm the exact same way. So my profession is in marketing. Um, I, I work for, it's weird to say it since I had my own company for 10 years and I literally got hired by a new company like two weeks ago. So I'm still kind of in this baz. Like I sold my company to them and I'm in like this whole weird, crazy transition. Um, but uh, one of my, one of, I don't, I'm not, a, I wouldn't say I'm, a, I'm an artist. I mean, not in the way that you are with like, you know, drawing and, and, and digital art and stuff, but um, I'm very proficient in like Photoshop and Illustrator for like graphic design for web stuff mainly. Um, and I was training some people on how to do a specific job that was tasked to me. And I kept forgetting that I was using quick keys. <laughs> and yeah. so I would do things and they'd be like, wait, how did you do this? Or, you know, like I would, this is all boring and no one wants to hear this, but like even something as simple as just cropping something and holding down shift to like maintain the square shape. Um, yeah. People would be, like, they'd be like, I don't know what you just did. So I'd have to like stop and explain everything. And, you know, it's, yeah. but I hear you. It's uh, yeah. Do you yeah. use any kind of like um, any kind of pen or anything like that? Like on a, on a, on a surface or is it all just. Yeah. I, I have a 27 inch uh, Wacom Cintiq. I think okay. it's 27. Yeah. It looks about 27. Um, not the touch. Cause I hate the touch one. Um, <laughs> yeah. Gets in the way. Um yeah, I have a 27 inch Cintiq uh, mounted on, on my desk that I'm like looking at right now. Um, cool. That that I use uh, surprisingly at work. I use a much smaller one because I can't get the big ones to sync to my laptop for some reason. Um, I use like an 18 inch at work or 16 inch or something. But mm. yeah, uh, so I draw directly onto my monitor. Um, you know what that is, obviously. Yes, I do. Um, but yeah, I, I I draw directly onto a monitor, so it's. Uh, texture wise doesn't feel like drawing on paper but it definitely gives you the tactile nature of actually painting and uh and drawing right. well and after a while you just get used to it like i'm sure that you would be a complete master at procreate if you by the way procreate is a um a, a pay out of the gate app on on ipads um it's really great i have it and i've tried it but i suck at it um <laughs> but you know it's it's just like anything else right like if you just practiced on it you'd be really good at it and there's a million youtube you know tutorials and all kinds of things that you can learn how to do you know all the great work on it but um yeah i i don't have the patience or the drive or quite quite frankly the end goal to want to get into yeah. it cuz i would just be doing it for myself and i have other things to do <laughs> that are more uh prominently um important so well the one one a few things i do love about it um that i have noticed uh, Line control is much different when you're drawing your lines mm-hmm. on Procreate than it is in Photoshop. There is uh, a lot of 
great options that I wish that Photoshop would utilize, like drawing a circle. You can draw a circle in Procreate and then hold your pen down when you're done drawing that circle and it will yeah. shape it shape it perfectly into a circle if you've, exactly. if you've missed. Yeah. And yeah. then drawing straight lines, you can draw straight lines. It'll just snap into itself. And I yeah. really wish Photoshop would utilize that. Yeah, no, that is a really cool feature on it. Um, again, I'm, I'm, I know enough just to like kind of get by and look like to someone who's never seen technology to know what I'm doing, um, but certainly not enough to actually like, create cool art. Uh, okay, so I, I want to shift gears slightly here and ask yeah. you a little bit about, so we're talking about the parks. Um, do you have a favorite, uh, it doesn't matter where, I don't care if it's Disneyland or Disney World or out of the country or whatever. Is there a specific uh, park, park, like, you know, gate that you prefer over others? Or is there's one that's just like your absolute favorite? I mean, I would have to say my favorite would be Disneyland. Okay. Um, but I've only been to Disneyland. Disneyland. I dream, I, oh my God. I remember when Euro Disney opened mm-hmm. in the early 90s. I remember the day it opened. I remember getting off the bus and thinking about it because I had been looking forward to it for so long. Yeah. Um. It has it has always been a dream of mine, um, like that Tony Baxter paradise over there, yeah, and that Ivan Earl castle with the with the cliffs and the trees. Like, oh god, I dream of that place mm. in Phantom Manor. <laughs> like, I yeah, I want to yeah, go there yeah, yeah. so bad. And now Tokyo Disney Sea is this this Disney jewel that is just absolutely gorgeous with the new lands opening up over there. Oh yeah, with uh, the even like the Neverland section. I'm oh, I'm so excited. So mm-hmm. yeah, those are the, those are two of my big goals. I want to get over to um, Disneyland Paris and uh, and Tokyo Disney Sea. Yeah, that's cool. I I've never been to any out of the country, and that's uh, I think Tokyo Disney Sea is the number one. Um, Paris is up there, even though I've heard it's a little underwhelming and small. There are certain things about it that I've heard are great. Um, but yeah, no, I think that I think that any huge Disney fan, the consensus is yes, I want to see all of them, but but <laughs> Disney Sea is kind of like almost like the crown yeah. jewel of of them all. Um when was sorry if I've already asked this, um, but I don't yeah. know if you told me, but when was the last time you were at Disneyland? Has it been a while? Disneyland was the 2018 when I was up there for the uh okay, for the convention. Yeah. yeah. So I First see the only your, time in 30 years. Okay, so I see through your uh work that you are um, if not a super fan, at least adjacent a fan to Star Wars from some of the stuff you have on here. Oh, have yeah. you been to, oh, sorry, no, obviously you haven't been, but um, one thing that I'll say is I'm a huge Galaxy's Edge fan, and there is nothing more beautiful than the marriage of Disneyland Park and Galaxy's Edge together. Um, it feels like it should be very weird, you know, that it's there because it's so old and, and nostalgic, and Disneyland has like a this smell that no other park has. I mean, everything about it is just this own thing. Um, yeah. and then to have a brand new, like star Wars space, you know, at the, at the top corner, it feels like it should be wrong, but it, it flows so seamlessly. And I've only been there once in Disneyland, but it, it has so much better of a field to me anyway, than what you would experience in Hollywood studios. So next time you go, I mean, obviously I know you're going to go to Disneyland next time you go, but, uh, that's something that's just, I mean, it's unbelievable seeing that for the first time out there. It's the same. There's nothing different about it, except the fact that you just are still in Disneyland and it's just this great really really powerful great feeling yeah yeah no i can't i can't even imagine that because it's it feels so awkwardly placed in hollywood studios no i mean once you're in it you're in it and it's right. and it's amazing but that that odd cave-like entrance cut through the uh through that underpass or whatever it is in the new york section it's it's 
yeah because there's like it's interesting there's like two ways there you go through like right by the muppets you know and then you kind of have to go from like indoor to like new york and the muppets and then you're in galaxy's edge which doesn't make any sense and then you like um or you have to go through like toy story land i guess i mean they they blended okay but it's still kind of a strange strange feeling i think yeah yeah Yeah. you know my son uh who's in the marines just came home um before he left for japan about a month ago and we went to galaxy's edge as a family for the first time my wife and i had gone mm-hmm. for the cast member cast member preview back in or was it like 2019 or 2018 or something like that is when it opened yeah yeah so we went to the cast member preview um and we did everything we could rise of the resistance wasn't open yet and then I maintained my uh, I maintained my cast member status, even though the stage Nemo stage had been closed for a while, for mm-hmm. a while, for like a year or so. Uh, and I Rise of the Resistance had opened, but I told them I would wait. And I and I didn't ride Rise of the Resistance until last month for the very first what? time. <laughs> it's OK. Yeah, I, I waited for the family. We all went together and lost our minds. Like I knew what to expect because yeah. I'm, I'm a geek. I'm a geek for this stuff. And I've watched every video and every breakdown and like, mm-hmm. but oh, man, yeah, I don't care point, how many videos you watch. At that point, it's one of those things where, especially since you hadn't been in so long that, or since you had never, you know, gone so long without going on it from the time it opened. Um, yeah. I can't imagine how you wouldn't have been spoiled along the way, but it is pretty phenomenal. Oh, yeah first time I, i've yeah. been on it four times not to brag <laughs> and um the first time there's nothing like the first time um it, it really is one of those things where i almost i almost would be okay not going on it again or wishing that i could just like have every experience be like i had never seen it before because there's so many surprises yeah. and then like once those surprises reveal themselves they definitely lose some of their luster um they're still yeah, amazing but just like oh my gosh the first time you go on it and you see like you know the 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 same doors you walk through in that and that shuttle you know open up to all those stormtroopers and you're like that's the this is like way larger than anything i could have ever imagined um yeah. you know the escape out of the prison just you know the cannons firing like every little detail and thing that's just so cool um you just don't i mean it, yeah that's cool that you got to experience for the first time with your whole family because that's uh yeah it's it's something it great. to be on there with a lot of people that's cool and i am i'm not a fan of trackless rides um for a number of reasons but i think that the trackless ride system works incredibly well for rise of the resistance given that you're in a space station and it's yeah. so open and they're hallways and it makes sense yeah to be riding around in a vehicle so like so i really i really enjoyed that um i know that the the trackless ride system didn't really it didn't really start out here as much um or in the united states besides remy's gratitude adventure i'm trying to think what are some of the other ones in disney that so, are trackless let's, the um what's the one over at it's not it's it's shanghai's is it shanghai's or is it oh you're thinking of the, winnie the, the winnie the pooh one well the, there's a winnie the pooh one and there's also the the Beauty and the Beast, the haunted mansion, the haunted mansion version of okay, the haunted mansion version over in over in China. In, yeah, and then but the, it's like, it's like the monkey, it's like the little monkey. Yeah, um, I think that might be in Hong Kong or Shanghai. I think it might be in Shanghai. It's, um, yeah, one but, of the two. But you know uh, what? I think the Beauty again, and the Beast one is also and trackless. And oh, one. and you know what? Uh, Mickey and Minnie's Runaway and Mickey and Minnie. Ride. So yeah, 
So my issue with trackless rides is there's so much open space mm-hmm. that's not being utilized because mm-hmm. you have this ve- this huge vehicle that's going going through the ride and there's this giant there's always this giant gap between you and the elements of the ride and it you lose that personability personability yeah <laughs> you you lose that closeness like when like say you're on Honda Mansion Mm-hmm. there's doom buggies in front of you and behind you and you feel like you're on this march you're in this line yeah. sitting in these chairs and you're right you're right in it you're right next to the events that are happening and whenever i'm on a trackless ride i feel so pushed away like like mickey and minis for instance like it's just like i feel like i'm looking at wall i mean yes it's mostly projections so yes you are mostly looking at walls but sure. i just feel so distanced from what's going on in the ride and it's always bothered me yeah that I can understand that. That actually, that, that point is, is definitely not lost on me. Um, I'm trying to think of like how Remy's Ratatouille Adventure feels. I've only been on the ride once and I was so excited to go on it that it feels like a blur kind of. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I can definitely, I can definitely understand that, especially thinking of Mickey and Minnie's for sure. That, that does make total sense. This episode, the Parks Academy is brought to you by Neo Sabers. Neo Sabers make incredible, handcrafted lightsabers that are perfect for any Star Wars fans. Check out these pros. They have strong metal built hilts, heavy grade polycarbonate blades, technical perfection, clarity of light and sound, perfect for cosplaying, the best option for a saber collection, and they can be totally customized how you want. Check this out. Uh, Neo Sabers is different from all of their sales because they focus on providing high quality NeoPixel lightsabers that would qualify for either cosplay purposes or even light dueling. Their sabers price, uh, they say their sabers are priced low and can be guaranteed that their sabers are affordable and totally worth the purchase. You can check out their collection on their website at neosabers.com and check out their various features uh, of their NeoPixel lightsabers. Guys, I have my very own NeoPixel saber um, and, and Neo Sabers does it right. I have the Return of the Jedi Luke Skywalker Saber, and it is incredible. If I want it to be green and kind of act like it is from the movie, I can totally do that. Or if I'm looking to kind of customize it, have it be, you know, a Sith Saber, or maybe, you know, give it a little bit of a different Jedi look with purple, blue, yellow, you name it. I can do all of that. My favorite thing about it, though, is that there's an app that you can use. And with that app, you can customize like how it responds to different attacks. You can set it up to where it has like force lightning, where it has a drag motion. You can you can use like all kinds of different colors to change it however you want to right within this app. Um, and then there's also customized controls within the blade itself. So you can like press the button a couple different times to um, change the color, to change the sound or the volume or whatever you want to do. I really cannot speak more highly of Neo Sabers and uh, how much we are so happy to be sponsored uh, by them and partnered with them. If you want to buy something from Neo Sabers, jump on their website and use the code TPA10 at checkout. This is going to guarantee you 10% off your purchase. And right now they are running some incredible sales. So go ahead and check out neosabers.com and get your NeoPixel Neo Sabers lightsaber today. And now back to the show. I will, I will say why Remy's worked better than most any other trackless ride at, that I can think of. Um, we also rode Remy's for the first time uh, as a family last month. Yeah. Um, and 
I loved it. And it's because of the lighting. It's mm-hmm. because they keep the because they keep the lights low and you can't see the floor. Yeah. So you don't feel you don't feel that distance that you feel in Mickey's Runaway Railway because everything yeah. is so lit up and you can see that giant gap. Um and I think that's that's a big thing. Do you remember when uh do you remember when Little Mermaid um journey whatever it's called journey opened, into water or whatever yeah uh opened over in Fantasyland and there and the lighting was insanely bright and the in the under uh in the under under the sea section of the ride you could see straight across from like cuz you go you go in and then it curves around to the right and then, and then you go out of that room. You could see all the way to the end of the room because yeah. it was lit so incredibly bright. And there's no – I guess I'm just trying to say that lighting makes a huge difference I understand what, No, I, I understand exactly what you're saying. Right, yeah. It, and, it's uh, it's why, like, for instance, if you get on a – if you have to be in, like, an intro exit on, like, Indiana Jones or Space Mountain, you're completely taken out of it once the lights come on. It's, it's a completely different yeah. environment and, and atmosphere. Um, I do not know. I, I kind of know what you mean, sort of, about Little Mermaid, but I've only ridden that ride twice in once or twice in Magic Kingdom, mm-hmm. whereas opposed to like in DCA, I rode it a lot more because that's where I went. Um, but I hear you. And, and I think to your point, too, like on Remy's, for instance, um, you're a different kind of the 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 purpose is different because you're supposed to be like a little mouse scurrying through a kitchen. So they do all this force perspective and like bigger. They utilize the screens really well. Um, and then all the little mm-hmm. set pieces, like when you're in the refrigerator or going under stoves and stuff like that, it does feel kind of like you're more, it, it, it lends itself better to being, um, uh, like you're, like you're, you're the character kind of scurrying around and trying to get out of the kitchen. Um, totally. similarly to, to rise, right? Like you're kind of on this, you know, being piloted by this droid who's losing its mind and trying to figure out where to go. Um, but Mickey and Minnie's is just sort of a, like a, it's kind of like a hodgepodge of different experiences. Um, like even like in, in Daisy's ballet scene, it it kind of takes yeah. you out. It's like it's fun, but it's almost like this it's fun, kind of but it's awkward. Like yeah. it's there's something awkward. I I should say too on on the Little Mermaid ride, I, I don't think I made myself clear what in the beginning the lighting was incredibly bright, and then they fixed it after a oh, few okay. years. Okay, and then I went. I remember going back on it, and the lights were completely dimmed and more focused on what they should have been, and not on like you couldn't see the track. Um, I don't know if that's a trackless ride necessarily, it's, but it's not. No, it's, it's, it's not. Very, right? It's yeah. like a, it's like Haunted Mansion or Spaceship yeah. Earth, where it's just yeah. like that continual ride system. Yeah, but when they dimmed the lights down and focused on where it should be, instead of like being able to see everything all at once, it just yeah. makes such a huge difference. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, absolutely. I, I had something and then it just like completely went out of my head. And I think it's because I, 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 I muted myself and then yawned and then thought about how my son wakes up every three hours to eat. Um, <laughs> uh, it should be any minute. Yeah. Well, my wife's going to, she's, she's, she's a trooper. She's going to take care of that right now. Um, although I did give him a bottle earlier today, so I'm kind of covered. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I, I hear you. Um, Oh, I remember what I was going to say. So there's this one ride um, that I think does trackless perfectly. And that is, I'm going to read it so I don't get it wrong. Uh, Luigi's okay. Roll Kickin' Rollick, Rollickin' Roadsters. Luigi's Rollickin' Roadsters in Cars Land at DCA. Have oh, you, have yeah. you been I've on seen, that one? I mean, I've seen, I haven't. I've seen videos. Okay, so it's the same kind of thing, right? It's like 
the cars just go around in like the synchronized order um and then just like literally just like the ballet scene in mickey and minnie's they like do this uh this synchronized dance where you all get in a line and they're kind of like moving back and forth and forward and backwards and that's like the whole purpose is to be in this big you know it's almost like a it's almost like line dancing but with cars and it's a lot of fun and you know what you're getting into i almost think that uh, mickey and minnie's would be more effective if the use of it was like um and now now we can play imagineering right where like the use of it was you were still on the train but goofy is like so out of his mind that he derails somehow and so like and just, as you're going like drifting yeah and... you're just like sliding back and forth and drifting around and like the corners you feel like you're skidding like i feel like that would almost be a better way to to set it up um but at the same time it's That'd also cool. for, it's also for little kids too so i think they have to be a little mindful of how intense they make it you know yeah because i mean for it's me very much like a for me for me it's just bring bring the walls in closer i just yeah. want to be i want to be closer to the action i don't i just don't want to be 10 15 feet away from you know like you you go into that first carnival scene mm-hmm. um and everything just feels like it's all the way over there and i want it right yeah. here but and that's probably your artist appreciation wanting to see it closer but then you know something something we couldn't fit as many people in at one time and then line you know line uh, wait times and then something bottom line dollar bills so um i'm sure there's some kind of logic in there that i'm i'm uh, sure there's some reason yeah yeah um is there a is i'm gonna just ask a couple more disney questions and i have something very specific i want to ask don't you don't have to be like freaked out or scared because it's it's simple um is there any piece specifically that you just feel like is quintessentially, you know, you or something that you've done, whether it's for like a hobby, I don't know, or um, like commissioned or or professional that you've done that you really feels like something you're just super proud of, or is just like one of your favorite pieces that you've you've done? Oh man, oh, and that's a loaded think, question. Uh, I know, and that is a really loaded but... question. Oh, I should have prepped for that one. Let's think. While you're thinking about it, I did want to say on February 20th of 2020, you posted a very cool um, uh, droid photo of them all stacked on top of each other. Yeah. So you got like Majority C-3PO, R2, <laughs> Chopper, BB-8, and uh, and and Dio. Um, and you said a little, mouse, had a, a little mouse droid. It's a little mouse droid. How could I forget? Um, he's, he's right next to uh, 3PO's um, foot there. Uh, it was on Etsy. Do you still have an Etsy shop up? No, I stopped doing the oh, Etsy a long time man. ago. I was going to see if I could buy that because that's pretty cool. <laughs> I, uh, I'll i see if I have any prints later and I can send you one. That'd be cool. Um, yeah. I, so, yeah, I had the Etsy shop for a long time. I hate going to the post office more than anything in the world. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I just hate, I hate shipping things and I hate getting stuff together and mm-hmm. putting addresses on. I just, it drives me nuts. So, yeah, yeah I, I, only, I only sell at conventions now. Okay. That's totally fair. I just thought I'd mention it. Um, have you thought of anything yet? If not, I have other another comment and and, and stuff. Um, so favorite pieces, I would say professionally, professionally, uh, the Jungle Cruise game was mm-hmm. a highlight uh, of my career. I absolutely loved doing that game board and fitting in little. I tried to fit in Easter eggs if I could. So we had, we, I was told that I wasn't allowed to mention the SEA in there. Um, I'm sure your viewers know what the SEA is, right? Or you do, do you know what the SEA is? You know what? I don't 
the Society of Explorers. Is that what you're talking about? And, yeah, Society of Explorers and Adventurers. Um, okay. Which is this all-encompassing group that is connecting all these rides. And I, I have a, I, I think I've heard Got that it. Disney is going okay. to be doing something with the SEA uh, in upcoming TV shows and and stuff like that. So they're going to be diving into it. Um, yeah, but, it's kind of like the Illuminati or like the Freemasons or something like that. Yeah, but it connects like it connects <laughs> yeah. a tower. It connects the Tower of Terror to Jungle yeah. Cruise to like mm-hmm. like to all the rides. Um, so I wanted to have the SEA headquarters uh, on the Jungle Cruise board, but mm-hmm. I wasn't allowed to put it on there. So what I did was if you look at the end of the board where where you finally end up at the end, there is a white building, which if you go to the magic kingdom, it is the jungle skipper cruise skipper cruise canteen. Uh, I used that building as the model, which is actually the SEA headquarters. Oh, and so that was my, that was my way of like squeezing in a little Easter egg into that board game. I'm trying to get a like decent picture of this thing on Google images. So I can see what you're talking about. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna be honest because I don't want to be a liar. Okay, um, I had never heard of the SEA until you just mentioned it, and I have yeah. a freaking Disney podcast. Yeah, no, that's the truth. I'd never have heard of it before, and I'm looking into it, and now like my oh, brain man. is kind of melting a little bit. Oh, get ready, get ready. Um, I, I this I, is a this is a rabbit hole you're never gonna climb out of. I confidently said, I confidently said the, um, uh, you know, the Society of Explorers and Adventurers because I Googled it and I'm very good at um, very quickly pivoting and finding something and then talk, saying, you know, like, I know what this is or I've heard of it mm-hmm. just to like carry on the conversation and first of all, be a good podcast host and also be really good sales when it's I need to be. Well, in marketing, yeah, I mean, I need to be, you know, <laughs> be on my feet <laughs> and be able to sell. Um, boy, I hope none of my clients hear that. Um, I don't think, I don't think they listen to this show, but, um, I, yeah, I had never heard of this and I'm looking through it and I'm looking at like the members, uh, I mean, you've got everyone from, you know, Jock Lindsay to, uh, I mean, like Garrett Reed, it's just interesting. I'm, I'm very, very perplexed by this. And I feel like this could be an entirely, um, separate, uh, this could genuinely be an entirely separate like mini series that Paige and I end up doing at some point. So thank you for opening up my world to that. I feel like I've just lost a lot of time looking into it. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna love what you find. It's I'm I mean the amount of the amount of attractions, rides, restaurants, and everything that it connects is just outstanding. It's so great. I, I mean, absolutely one of the love things it. It says is Bingle's Barbecue in Disneyland or Bingle Barbecue, excuse me, in Disneyland. So yeah, I'm like really. Boy, I'm I'm really kind of this is gonna get me. Um, why were you not allowed to put it in the game? If you could say, um, it's just uh, there's always it's not like a copyright thing, but Disney is very protective of the way things are presented. I I can understand that. Um, and it's it's the same in my job now. We have to be very careful to not misrepresent something or add something that uh crosses universes <laughs> and sure. uh it's yeah it's disney is just very yeah they're very very protective of yeah of their ips well the um, last thing you want to do is send like fans who have crazy theories in a spiral mm-hmm. um and the, and that also like i mentioned it very early on about like you know I, the, the word burden that i used was probably incorrect but just that responsibility of like maintaining properly the disney 
you know, how everything's presented and, and, and what it all goes into and how it, you know, is bigger than any one person or, you know, any one designer or voice actor or whatever. Um, so that's really cool. No, I, I dog on it. I'm, I'm going to be bookmarking this and thinking about it a lot now. So, Oh, you're going to have to get um, back to me. I'm going to, yeah, I want to know, maybe I know what you found out. Like so, even like you'll jump into it. Like, you know, you know, Tony Baxter, right? Oh yeah, of course. He's my not, not Tony. Uh, oh, not Tony. Uh, not Tony Baxter. That's not who I meant. I meant, um, I meant, uh, Joe Rody. Oh my God. Joe Rody. Yeah. yeah. So Joe Rody. He's Rody. actually Paige's uh, favorite Imagineer. Okay, so Joe yeah. Rohde is actually what's is actually the face model for on the uh, Haunted Mansion ride in Disney in uh, in Asia for for high he's uh, whatever High Tower the guy yeah. who mm-hmm. uh, yeah for um for uh, the High Tower Hotel for high, yeah the high, oh, yeah you're right the High Tower Hotel but the one and, but, um, but the yeah. one over in yeah over in China right. Mm-hmm. Or is it Japan? No, it might be Japan. Man, I'm. I gotta. I, I gotta get my facts straight. Let's just Google it real but, quick. Are we not sending computers with like the most vast amount of uh, of information? But even like, I just love that the I love that the SEA even connects like Joe Rody as a as a face mm-hmm. to to that society. Yeah, Disney because... is where that one is. Okay. Okay. Yeah, Disney. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's really cool. And like they have his face on, I think there's like little statues of him all over the face, oh, all over the everywhere. place adorning the hotel. Um, yeah, that's really cool. I'm not as quick on my feet as I would like to be about uh, some of the intricacies of the other uh, spots and in, in, in across the country, across the world of Disney properties. But um, I am familiar with what you're talking about there. And so for those of you who like aren't as familiar, this is the uh, Hotel High Tower, which is technically the Tower of Terror in Disney Sea. Um, and there's a lot of information about it. I don't remember where I've seen it, but I know like one of those Disney specials, they talk about it a lot and have all the information about it. I think it's like behind the attraction or one of those things where they talk about it a lot. Um, so that's really cool. Ooh, which we're getting, getting a new season of in a week or two. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. I'm super excited for that. I haven't even been paying Me attention too. to like what's going to be featured on it, but I'm, I'm thrilled. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. That first season was great. And I love the, I love the YouTube kind of style that they, that they organized it in like it was just like quick and fun and like lots of lots of art thrown up there and yeah right but it had the actual authority of being straight out of the mouth you know from from disney's mouth to my ear instead of just being like a youtuber who could say literally whatever they wanted to i i have watched i have watched that through i think three or four times i need to go back because i've only watched it once um like the imagineering the series that came out when Disney Plus mm-hmm. was first out was one of my favorite things. And I've only watched that once yeah. too. So I do need to go back and and revisit those. Um we usually keep these things about an hour. So I know we're kind of coming up on a little bit of time here, but I I it would it would really just uh I, w- I would really feel the regret if I didn't ask you. Um I think one thing people may not know about you as prominently um because it's kind of hidden sort of in your in your Instagram account and you don't really promote it as much. Um but you are a photographer as well. And first of all, your work is incredible. Um, I'm a photographer myself and uh, I usually, I know a lot of people like to throw around the word photographer if they have an iPhone and there's no disrespect to people who take pictures in their iPhone, but um, you, you actually shoot, you know, you, you, you take photos the hard way on film, um, which I think is incredible. I love film. And uh, you have a, a a Rolleiflex 3.5 F if I'm not mistaken. Is that what you're shooting on? I mean, that's a, um, (laughs) speaking of, you know, speaking of the society of explorers, that's an old camera. Um, yeah. So how did you get, how did you get into that? Um, so I had a good buddy, uh, 
who I taught with or oh, that's that's like the whole story there. So, <laughs> OK, good. I'll go. I'll go as fast as I can because I know you want to wrap up. No, no, um, I don't. I don't. I just want to be respectful of your time. I could talk longer. No, I don't. I'm, I'm, I'm down for I'm whatever. Good, yeah. OK, great. No, I'm good. Yeah. OK, so back uh, after I left Ringling and had started my family around the time that we had our second kid, I went back to community college just to get some more graphic design courses in. Um, and I took one course with a guy named Joshua Serpernot, and uh, he was an adjunct teacher at the time, and he was teaching uh, teaching an illustrator course. And was it illustrator? Or was it just graphic design? I don't remember. Either way, we became friends, and he has been one of my closest friends ever since. He got me into photography okay. when we started working together at Full Sail. He was actually the one that pulled me in to teach at Full Sail. And he started teaching me about photography and I started out super simple. Um, I started out because I didn't, I didn't understand F-stop. I didn't understand aperture. I didn't, yeah. I, it was a, I mean, it's a lot. If you're, if you're just getting into film photography, right. it is a very, it is a very confusing art form and there is mm -hmm. a lot that goes into it. So I was like, I bought a, I got a box camera mm -hmm. and from like the 1920s and all you do is you load up your 120 film and yep. you just flick the switch. So it, so when I started out, it was all about composition. It was, yeah, I did everything, everything during the day. And, uh, I learned how to do, um, double exposures. So I would have some fun with that. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is back, this is back around 2012 or so. And okay. then slowly I got, I got into, I got into regular cameras. I got into, mm -hmm. uh, I, what did I have? I don't know. I've had, I, I'm not, I'm not gonna lie to you. Um, I've probably owned about 60 or 70 cameras over the years and I've gotten, oh, wow. I've gotten rid of most of them. Um, and okay. I'm down to probably I'm down to probably like I don't know six or seven now. Um, but I slowly learned, and I learned all everything that goes into it. And I have a mm -hmm. I have a great under great understanding of photography now, and I absolutely yeah. love it. Um, in about 2016, on my second trip to New York, I got a Yashica Mat 124G. Nope, not the mm -hmm. G, just the 124. Okay. Um, which is a TLR, which is a twin lens reflex camera. Yep. So it's just like a rolling flex. You look down, um, and the rolling flex was like my dream camera. I'm like, I love okay. this. Yeah. I was like, there's a there's like there's a better version of this out there because that that Yashiki was fantastic. Um, and finally, like over the years, I got better jobs and I was able to like save up money and I got a rolling flex. Uh, nice. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be I'm gonna this little story behind the Roloflex. I didn't pay it. that much. I didn't pay that much for it. You can I, uh, get them I, used for like not an insane amount of money. I was on my way back from uh, Dragon Con in uh, Atlanta, and there is a there is a antique store right off the highway on on 75, mm -hmm. uh, about 45 minutes when you get into Florida, and. I was I stopped by on my way home and I was walking through it and I found this this 3.5 f uh, in, a, in a beautiful leather case in perfect working nice. condition and yeah. and they won it and they won eight hundred dollars for it. Now if you go if you go onto eBay, they're running about seventeen to two thousand right now. Yeah, $2, I saw one for right I saw one for thirty five hundred when I was just kind of like looking when you were talking for a 3.5 f. Uh yeah. Oh jeez. Yeah. I hope it's worth that much. Anyway, <laughs> I, I have a, so, I have a, I have a thought and a feeling about some photography these days, but I, I'll get to it. Could carry on. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, um, no, I could, I could talk about photography all night. So they, uh, so they wanted eight hundred for it, and I'm like, that's honestly at the time, at the time they were going for about thirteen hundred online. So I was like, that's mm -hmm. fair. 
and I had yeah. just finished a con, so I had like a little bit of spending money. I'm like, yeah, I could do this. Sure. But I, I checked it. I went in. I was like, I was like, I don't know. I don't have all this cash with me. I was like, would you guys, would you guys take three hundred? And they're like, hold on, let, let, let me call the guy. And they called the guy, and he's like, he'll take three fifty. I'm like, okay. I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah. So I, I got, I got like an eighteen hundred dollar camera for three hundred fifty bucks, which that is amazing. Rips. And and I've That's been using so cool. that for a long time, and I even got it reskinned. Um, mm-hmm. Because they, these old cameras have leather, yeah. uh, adhere adhered to the metal body all over them, and I got mine reskinned to a sand color, like synthetic uh, material, and it just it's the most gorgeous camera you've ever seen now, um, and I absolutely love it. But uh, a few years ago, I bought a uh, Bessa R two, mm-hmm. uh, thirty five millimeter uh, with a a, a Leica uh, le- uh, lens mount on it, yeah, and then. It got a, a Voigtlander uh, 35-millimeter lens for it. And okay. that was that was really expensive. That was the most I've ever spent on a camera. That was a lot of money. Yeah. Um, and I can't do 35-millimeter to save my life. Like, there's something okay. about it. Like, I'm a, <laughs> yeah. I'm a medium-format I'm a medium format camera guy. And uh, so I ended up selling that, and I bought a Hasselblad 500CM. So and, it's funny because I have one of those as well, but it was my yeah. It was my grandfather's. Yeah. Is that so, is that the back is that the back to it over there on over your shoulder? Sitting uh, on the book. There's like a little right box there? right there. Yeah. This thing that I'm pointing at. No, that's yeah. a um that's a vial of ink that my dad bought me for my 30th birthday along it's with a um so, ink pen. That's so funny because it's like low res from here and I yeah, keep looking yeah. at it. I'm like, is that like a hassle blood? No, that's literally just a vial of blue <laughs> ink for a fountain pen my dad got me for my 30th birthday. Um, no, so my cameras, I have them all over there, and um, I'm sorry for everyone who's a Disney fan that's listening to this, but maybe you'll like it. <laughs> so yeah, I have a Hasselblad, literally 500 CM as well. Um, I, I'm really crappy at shooting it. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm working on it, and uh, I, I do a lot of photography professionally, so I do like a lot of product photography, food photography, lifestyle stuff. And I always okay. bring out my I always bring out my digitals for those because it's just easier if you're getting paid to know that you're gonna like actually get it done, <laughs> you know, right and high, yeah, and, and web worthy and and not like moody or aesthetic or anything like that. Um, but yeah, I have that, and I have three Nikon FEs that were my parents. So my parents actually met in a camera shop in the '80s. That's um, my dad. My whole like, I have a really long history of photography in my family. Um, my uh, like I said, my you know, it was my grandfather's. My my Hasselblad um, is it was his, and then um, my my mom's uncle actually was like the town photographer for Cooperstown. He did like all the um, Hall of Fame stuff for Cooperstown, um, and so like he had like a, an incredibly you know wide portfolio of black and whites that he took um so yeah my parents awesome. ended up meeting in a, in a camera shop in, in napa california in the 80s um and so yeah that's uh it's kind of always just been you know kind of part of uh kind of part of like my upbringing yeah and so i was shooting on like you know really crappy film cameras that my parents would buy me just like you'd buy like your kid a point and shoot or something now like a like some kind of a you know a cheap canon or whatever um but i remember like my dad but the very first time my dad ever came home with a uh, digital camera, like his first picture he ever took with my sister and I in like one of our, you know, um, doughboy, you know, inflatable pools um, in our little pool floaties and stuff. Um, and like the resolution was so bad and the pictures looked awful. But uh, um, yeah, it's it's such a cool, you know, it's such a cool um, uh, medium to be in, you know. Um, but I, I kind of just started getting back into film because it, it really is like a labor of love, <laughs> you know, like I, yeah. I listen to records, but it's. Um, in fact, one of our sponsors on our show, they're called Deep Cut. They um 
they make like record accessories and displays and they're they're awesome they're such a cool um they're such a cool brand but one of their um one of their uh, uh coasters that they've sent me it just like their slogan and it says it on there like you know listen to music the hard way um yeah. so a lot of like you know what they do and, and a lot of that kind of like medium is is really doing things in a, in a way that's a little bit more difficult and, and time consuming and um i really appreciated that you said like focusing on composition first because that's just like so critical i mean um if you're not like thinking about it and taking a minute and seeing where everything needs to be placed it's just you know it could it could the colors could be perfect everything could look great but if it's not like you know if it doesn't yeah. follow like the rules i know that you know you could do whatever but if there's certain there are certain rules you need to look for yeah and if they're not following that then it's just kind of pointless um you got to so. know the rules before you break them so I agree. There's this great book. It's 15 bucks on Amazon. It's called Read This. If you let me make sure I get the title right. It's called uh, I think it's called Read This if you want to take great photos. And yeah. if anyone ever is interested in like taking in photography and they ask me a question, I will just buy them the book and send it to their house because it's one of those books that's just like it's this little tiny black book, but it goes through little all the basic. Black and white. Yeah. I, yeah, I bought it at like, I bought it at the Met last year. Okay, um, cool. <laughs> I flew because, like, even though I've been doing photography for so long, dude, I'm with you 100. percent Like, you can always refresh yourself, and that is exactly. like one of my favorite books. And I I blew through the whole thing and uh, got that refresher that I needed, and I gave the book to my son. And yep. now he's out, he's out taking photos with his Leica R and his. I think he's got a Yashica now. I don't know. He's like he's over in Japan um, with the Marines, so he's. But he's yeah, he's got a That's... bunch of cameras. He, that's awesome. Do you uh, develop your own film or, or no? Um, I have stuff too. And I have once with my friend Josh that I was telling you about the one mm. that got me into photography. Um, I'm too afraid to, um, okay. I get, I get, I, I send, I send my stuff out to a, a film, uh, a film place over in uh, Tampa. Okay. As cool. a matter of fact, I have like eight rolls that I'm just waiting for the scans to come back right now. I'm very excited. That's awesome. Yeah. I, um, it's it's really funny because like uh, there definitely is sort of this resurgence I think of nostalgic mediums and I you know when I'm when I I guess it was when I first like moved out east my dad kind of pulled out all his old photography equipment um cuz like he and I both have Sony A7 um A7S's like we love them they're great you know they're great or Sony A7III's I think they're great cameras that's what I use for like shooting all of my you know professional work if someone hires me to come out and do something I'll do that um, and so, you know, all the digital, all the film stuff kind of went by the wayside and he ended up selling a lot of it. He sold his, all of his darkroom equipment, everything that just sat in our garage for like decades because it just wasn't something that people were using anymore when digital kind of came around. Yeah. And so once it all sort of came back into fashion, you know, I already had all his cameras, I had everything and they were just kind of sitting around. Um, and you know, he was just like, man, I wish I hadn't sold my darkroom equipment. Cause wouldn't that be fun to like get back into that? And I'm like, yeah, but you know, hindsight, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it, it really is fun. Your your photos are amazing. I mean, I, I thanks, man. They're they're really really good and, and really especially like those some of those um, Hasselblad those latest ones that you have on there. Um, they I mean they're just really really good. Uh, I so, really yeah, appreciate they're, that. They're great. Man. I don't I don't talk about my photography. I don't I don't like I I've told myself I will never make money off of it. I don't mm -hmm. want to. I don't want to have that. I don't want to have the pressure to like because a lot of a lot of the art I do there's always the thought in the back of my head, is this going to sell at a con? Yeah. And it's always, it's always something I love. I love mm -hmm. to draw. I love to draw things that excite me and I will only draw things that excite me. But yeah. I also am going to focus on 
to an extent, is this going going to sell at a convention? Yeah. Am I going to make money off this? So mm-hmm. with my with my photography, I've said I'm never I'm never going to ask for money for it because I want it. I don't want to lose that that freedom. Yeah. Yep. I have, um, I, I, I play music and for a variety of reasons, I've never pursued it, you know, beyond just as a hobby. Uh, the main one is I don't want to be away from my family for extended periods of time to like sit in a bus and stay in cheap hotel rooms. Um, but I have some friends who, you know, are recording musicians and it's kind of the same thing for them where they're like, you know, having to like have to do it and all those expectations really kind of sucks the life out of the air. You know, mm-hmm. when, when you, when like you take an art form that you love or something that you really want to do and then all of a sudden it's an obligation um as opposed to you know just like getting to do it because you 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 really want to do it so yeah um yeah that's great i mean that's part of the reason why i'm in <laughs> marketing in the first place right yeah you know is because it's just something i can still have creative work i take photos i get paid for stuff you know i i i, I do a lot of like photography of wine bottles and like white backgrounds with studio lighting and stuff like that um and and products and things but it's uh i i know what it is right it's kind of like it's this specific niche of like i still get to do something creative and fun and and i can do some design work but it's like for a car dealership and i'm making like sale banners or whatever um but like i know it has its own space you know it it has kind of its own little spot that it lives in my in my life that isn't going to be saturated with other stuff so 100 percent. that's really cool I've, i've i've always told myself um if I ever like, so I, I also like, I, I designed that one game um, with my friends and we created a company and, and did that game. It didn't make it anywhere, but I always have game ideas yeah. and I always have designs. And like, I've been working on a game with my wife actually since July. Oh, wow. um, okay. that, and I like my dream, my dream is to make a game that makes me a ton of money mm-hmm. and then I can draw when I want to. But honestly, yep. Yeah. If I could do any if I could do anything with the rest of my life, I would go take photos for the rest of my life. It is yeah. that is my passion and that is what I I absolutely love to do. I just love to take my camera out and look for the light and go find go find something new. That is, yeah, I hear you. I feel like that's a a pretty good resting place. So I I I really um it's been so much fun talking to you. Um Thanks, seriously, I've, I've really been, enjoyed it. Um, I will certainly keep you uh, abreast to what I find out about the uh, Society of Explorers and Adventurers as I get into it. And uh, I'm going to try to convince my wife that we need to do some kind of a series on it because uh, that just sounds like a lot of fun. We'll have you we'll have you back on if you'd like to for that. Um, Obviously, I know that we talked a lot about what you're doing, but is there anything you want to plug or or throw out there, you know, that we can throw in show notes or, or that our listeners can hear about before before you go? No, no, this has been fun, man. It's just fun to hang out. (laughs) <laughs> all right well th- it was really nice to get to know you uh through this um you know good luck with everything you're doing um you know congrats on on your big you know your new work with disney and and all the things that you're doing so uh yeah thanks again so much for coming on it's been a lot of fun yeah man i appreciate it thank you all right well that is going to wrap it up for us again we just want to say thank you to jacob for coming on the show you can find him on instagram at you found jacob you can also go to his website at youfoundjacob.com. And to check out his beautiful photography that he and I spent uh, the latter half of the show talking about, you can go to youfoundjacobscamera.com. We'll link everything in the show notes. And again, I just want to say thank you. That was such a fun time talking. And uh, it was really great always uh, having new perspectives and and different artists and, and, and people on the show who can share their passions with us. I just want to say thank you one more time to our incredible sponsors, uh, Deep Cut and Neo Sabers. Remember, you can get 10% off your first order at either one of those websites using the code TPA10 at checkout. 
We will uh, be back next week with something really fun uh, because of the crazy schedule we've got going on. I have no idea what that is, but I cannot wait to check in and share that with you. Thanks again for listening, and we will catch you next time. Thank you.